Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here, and I am so excited to, uh, to preach this message to you today. Um, I have been planning this series for a number of months, gosh, I think like six or seven months, and even just this week, what we're going to talk about today just exploded in wonderful ways that are going to stretch you. So if you've been around the church for a long time, this is going to stretch you. You're going to think about things in a way that you might not have thought before. And for those of you who are here for the first time, for those of you who aren't like a God follower, a Jesus person, um, this is going to be for you as well as we look at this, as we begin this series. This series is about like why it's so often difficult for us to have a relationship with God. And so in this series, uh, if you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to better understand why, and you're going to be invited to take steps towards starting a relationship with God. And for those of you who have a relationship with God, this series is going to invite you to understand why it's hard to walk with him, why it's hard to experience God sometimes, why we don't feel him near us. Uh, And so, because the reality is that a relationship with God is often not easy, There are are all sorts of ways that the Bible talks about who God is and how God relates to us, but he's still God. He's still God. God is God, and everything else the Bible says about him is an illustration. And so that's the title of our series. Uh, The Bible says that God is our refuge. He's our rock. If you you look at your bulletin, the, the background of this, if you can get a magnifying glass out, the background behind this which for those of you who don't have 20, like 10 vision is just the white noise behind this. Um, These are the ways that the Bible describes who God is uh, and what God is like for us. And so in all these ways, the Bible says that God is our refuge, our rock, our shield, our counselor. He's a lion, he's a lamb, he's our father, and he's our friend. The Bible says that we can be the friend of God But that's using human friendship as a relationship to illustrate what it's like to know God. But again, friendship is an illustration. It's just one aspect of what it means to be in a relationship with God. And if you think about this, even just this friendship thing, we we can click into this and and realize that it's, it's a little bit more complicated because you have all kinds of different friends. You have friends with whom you're really familiar, and then you have friends with whom you're really formal. You've got friends who know everything about you, and then you have friends who just really actually only have one thing in common with them. And every time you're together, you're just focusing on that one thing. Um, And so saying God is your friend isn't saying enough. Like God may be your friend, but he's still God. And so what does it mean for God to be a friend? And so in this series, we're going to unpack, again, what it means to have a relationship with God. That phrase, a relationship with God, I mean, what exactly does that mean? And now for some people, the idea of having a relationship with God, it just works. Like they don't question it, it doesn't bother them, it feels very natural to them. They don't have a, they don't have a problem talking to an invisible person. <laughs> um, they don't have any problem obeying a book where God has told us what he thinks and how he feels about things. Um, but for some of us, it's weird. Um, For some of us, it's strange to act as though the most important person in our lives is a being we've never met. It's just, it's odd. It's strange for us to talk to someone who we can't see. 
And so in this series, we're going to dive into this and we're going to see how the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, how it teaches us about who God is and how to have a relationship with him. So Genesis introduces us to God. And from Genesis, we can see how to relate to him and what to expect from him. And so today, we're just going to begin Genesis 1. And we're going to focus on one reality that will really help us understand why a relationship with God is sometimes very difficult. And the idea is this. In the beginning, God is separated from us. Okay? In the beginning, God is separated from us. And so we're going to look at Genesis 1, verse 1. For the first time, I'm looking inside my bulletin and I'm seeing last week's title and passage. Is that, is that what you're seeing? See, we are separated from the right passage of Scripture in the bulletin. <clears throat> so, there you go. If you want to take notes, there's a good place to take notes there, but... Good thing I have the verses we're going to look at on the screen, so you'll look to the screens. But here's Genesis 1, verse 1. Famous verse. We're going to look at it. We're going to see things in it that you might not have seen before. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so, in the beginning, God is separated from us in several aspects. First, in who he is. Okay, God is separated from us in who he is because in the beginning was God. Our beginning began with God, but God was before the beginning. And so, God exists outside of time. God existed before creation. And this, no matter how hard you think about it, this is unfathomable to us. Like we can't wrap our minds around this. That God has experiences completely separated from us and from our world. That God has perspectives that are completely separated from ours. God is the eternally existing one. He is God. And in every way that we relate to God, we can never forget that he is separate from us. He's separated from us. He's different. He's unlike us. And so if you have ever felt like you can't relate to God, <laughs> like how could God think that this is okay? How could God have allowed this? Or how could God cause that? If you ever have felt like you can't relate to God, it might be because how can you relate to a God? Someone who's been around forever. God holds the entire timeline of history. And whether it's thousands or billions of years, like he holds the entire timeline of history in the palm of his hand. And the edges of the timeline, like, they're not even at the edges of his hand, right? It's like in the center of the palm of his hand. Like, he's, he, he's there. He's outside of it. He can look at all of it. And so God is separated from us in who he is 
and also in what he made. God is separate from us. He's separated from us in what he made because God is the creator. He makes things out of nothing. We can't do that. Like we can create new things from existing things, but God made everything from nothing. And so he is separated from us in that he is a creator and he can make things, he can do things that we cannot do. And when we think about what he's made, God is big. God is big, right? If time is in one of the palms of his hand, then the entire universe is in the other. How do you have a relationship with that? I mean, we are specks on a speck, hurtling through clouds of specks. And God is big enough to create it all. And he is intelligent and aware enough to know it all. And so God is separated from us in who he is and in what he made. And then I want you to see a, th a third perspective, and this is where we're gonna spend all the rest of our time today. That God is separated from us in how he made it. He is separated from us in how he made it. Okay, we see this, it's hinted at in verses one and two of Genesis. It says God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse one, there are two places that God created. There are the heavens and the earth. Okay, verse two then focuses on the formation of the earth. But in Genesis one, verses six through eight, it comes back to further describe the heavens, and the earth. It says this in Genesis 1, 6 through 8, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. So there's this thing it's called the expanse. <laughs> and then it's called heaven uh, in verse eight. And the expanse is what separates what is above from what is below. And so there are waters above the expanse and there are waters below the expanse. And so when God created, he created a two-tiered world. He created heavens and he created earth. So the earth is here. We stand upon the earth. We live upon the earth. The heavens are up there. And the term heavens includes both the visible heavens. Okay, these are the planets, the stars, the moon, the galaxies. The term heavens in the Bible also sometimes includes the invisible heaven, where God's throne is and where the angels dwell in his presence. Okay, and the rest of the Bible picks up this twofold construction of creation. And so there are two realms. There is the earth where we are, and then there are the heavens where God is. And so God created the world, and in the structure of things, we don't live in the same place as he does. 
Okay, his home is not our home. He is separated from us. And again, the rest of the Bible understands uh, this separation of heaven and earth and that God is separated from us. Uh, We don't have time to go through this, but the rest of the Bible will support this as you look at it, as you read it. The tabernacle, the promised land, the temple, even the Garden of Eden that we'll see in, in some weeks, each of these artistically and geographically represents this separation between God and us that is reflected in how God created. This is important because if you have ever felt separated from God, it's in part because you are separated from God. If you feel like having a relationship with God is more difficult than having a relationship with a friend, it's because it is more difficult to have a relationship with someone who doesn't live here, but who's up there, so different than someone that you can see and touch and hear. That's a really significant separation. But then this is frustrating, right? I mean, if you're like me, you're now asking, why? Like, why did God do it this way? Like, why did God have to create the universe like this? Why not just make heaven and earth one? Right? Why not be together with us from the beginning? And there are ways that you can ask that question that goes so far deeper than this just being an intellectual exercise, right? This is a profoundly and deeply personal question, right? And in the Bible, the most mature of God's people wrestle with this question. They say things like, God, where are you? God, why aren't you here? God, how long will you not be here? God, when are you coming? It's not just, oh, hey, why didn't God do it this other way? Like he made a red car. Why didn't he make a blue car? That's not what we're talking about here. We're saying, God, why is the world like this? God, why is my life like this? Why would you have done it this way in light of all that's happened? And so if you are asking this question, if you've ever asked this question, if thinking about this question draws a longing from your heart where you're like, oh yeah, what the heck? Like what's going, like why? Then you are expressing a desire to actually be near to God. You are crying out with a desire to close the separation that exists between us and God, between heaven and earth. And so, why didn't God make it this way from the beginning? Well, gosh, Stephen, you just sort of gripped my heart a little bit. You talked about real things, and I feel connected. But, like, you didn't answer the question. Like, why did God do it this way? And I would say that, actually, the rest of the Bible is written specifically to answer this question. The rest of the Bible is written to answer why God created what he created separated from us. The rest of the Bible answers this question. 
the purpose of God both before sin was committed in the third chapter of the Bible and after sin was committed in the third chapter of the Bible. So both before sin and after sin, the purpose of God is for us to close the gap between heaven and earth. The rest of the Bible is about closing this gap. And so we can say it another way. Say it this way. God's design is for us and him to close that separation. So in the beginning, God is separated from us and God's design is that for us and him that we would close that separation. From the beginning, even before sin, we were designed to, with God, bring heaven and earth together. And we're going to see this. This is going to come jumping out of the pages of Genesis 1, 2, 3, and beyond. And so, what I want you to hear, I want you to hear this, that sin isn't the only thing that separates us from God. Okay? If what Genesis 1 is saying is true, then sin isn't the only thing that separates heaven from earth. Heaven and earth were separated in the beginning. God created this separation even before humanity's fall into sin. And that longing in your heart, that frustration in you that says it shouldn't be this way, God wants us to long for heaven and earth to be united. God wants us to want that separation to be closed. God wants us to long for him because he is our greatest good. And it's not selfish for God to think that way or to feel that way. It's just the truth because God designed us to know him. God designed us to work with him because knowing him and walking with him is the greatest gift. It brings us the greatest life. It brings us the most meaning, the most significant, the most significance. It makes us the most impactful in our lives when we know him, when we walk with him, when we work with him to join heaven and earth. And so we long to know God. We want to know him. We want to be near to him. And it's not just about us personally. It's about joining the two worlds together. It's about joining God's world and our world so that they become one world. And so we long for his world to fill this world. We long to, be, to have him near, to have his influence and his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his gentleness, his self-control, his faithfulness to flood this earth. And so I want to say, friends, this, like this is why we should avoid sin. This reality of the separation of heaven and earth and of God's design to bring them together, this is the backdrop against which sin is presented to us in the Bible. Our sin increases this separation. Our sin separates us from God. When we do things that are not his design for us, 
when we disobey his commands, when we live and act in ways that show that we really only obey him when it's convenient for us, when we demonstrate through our decisions that we really don't want to obey God when it's hard. We're increasing the separation between us and him. We're increasing the separation between heaven and earth. Now I know, I mean, there are times when it's really hard. There's times it's really, really hard to do what God wants. And God knows that. God understands that. But aren't there times when we just don't care? Like, aren't there times when it really just doesn't matter to us what God thinks? Aren't there times when we just put God below our desires and our feelings? Aren't there times we just, we live as though God doesn't really matter? It's at these times when our behavior separates us from God. It's at these times there's like a circuit in our brain that we create. Um, and it's at these times when we, when we act out that circuit that says, look, it's no big deal for us to live apart from God. It's not a big deal. God will forgive us. Friends, this is what sin is. It's not just rule breaking, it's relationship separating. It's relationship damaging. Man, the structure of the world is already set up in the beginning that God is in heaven and we're on earth. Like, why would we want to make it even more difficult by moving farther away from him? When we ignore God, when we don't care about God, when we want other things more than God, when we aren't interested in treating other people the way that God treats us, we increase the space between us and God. And let's be honest, it's not just additional space that's created, but it's additional space that now has obstacles in it. Right? It's not just that you're farther away, but now there's stuff in between. And this isn't just, we're not just talking about our relationship with God, right? This is true in our other relationships. It's just people that we care about, family members, friends. Um, when we hurt others, when we ignore other people, it's not just space, right? There's something in between us. Um, and you can't just move back across the space, right? You can't just say, okay, now I'm, I'm done with that. I, I'm ready now to be nice again, right? You can't do that because there's something real there. You got to climb over the obstacles. You got to climb around the obstacles or through the obstacles just to get back to a place where you can even see clearly again. And I, 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 <laughs> I wish these obstacles were just physical things. When you think about relationship damage, it's not like there's a wall you just got to walk around or climb over. <clears throat> we're not talking about something physical. 
We're talking about something emotional. We're talking about something spiritual. When you bring damage into a relationship, whether it's with God or with someone else, man, that space in between, there are spiritual obstacles that have to be dealt with. There is pain, there is shame, there is guilt, there is injury, there is trust that's damaged. And so to try to enter into that space to try to get through those obstacles, it means that you actually have to revisit those things. It means you have to enter into the pain that those things have caused. With God, if we want to move back toward God, we can't just waltz right through as though nothing's happened. We need to own what we've done and we need to approach him humbly and with sorrow over the ways that we've lived. I mean, this is what it means to confess our sins. This is what it means to repent. This is part of our service. During the, during the opening song, we have a time of confession. It's designed for us to humble ourselves and to take out anything, to deal with anything that's standing between us and God. And so we enter into that space. We look at the obstacles and we look to God and just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. And there's good news for us, right? There's good news because when we step in God's direction, when we step into that space that's between us, we find that God has already been coming. We find that God actually started coming toward us long before we ever turned to come toward him. That God doesn't wait for us to enter into this separation that he enters first. And God enters toward us most fully in Jesus. Because for God to do this, for God to enter into the space between us, God also can't ignore what's in this space. God can't ignore the things that we've done. And so for God to enter into this space, the space between us, the space that has the spiritual and relational damage and the obstacles that we've put there, God has to deal with those things in order for him to get to us. And the rest of the Bible is all about this. The rest of the Bible is all about what God has done to reach back across that space, to come back across that space, to come running down the road to greet us in the middle of the space. And the rest of the Bible climaxes in God doing this specifically through the cross of Jesus. Man, on the cross, Jesus picked up all of the obstacles between us and him, and he carried them. He carried the weight of them on his shoulders, and he carried them to the cross. And there he died. And on the cross, Jesus experienced the punishment that our sins deserve.
Jesus died experiencing the pain, the shame, the guilt, and the anguish that separated us from God and that has done damage to God's world. And so Jesus on the cross is the ladder that joins heaven and earth, that crosses the separation between us and God. And in his resurrection, Jesus is the beginning of the unification of heaven and earth. When we follow him, there is a bridge that's laid across that separation. And the more time you spend on this bridge, the closer to God you will feel. And so we're not there yet. In some ways, the cross is like a puncture <laughs> into our lives, right? And our goal is to try to get all of our lives onto the cross, all of our lives into this relationship with Jesus. And for some of us, it takes time to get it all on. But God loves us in the midst of it. And Jesus' victory is victorious for us, no matter how good we are at getting it on there, right? His victory is shared with us the moment that we turn, the moment that our lives turn to follow him. We're not there yet. We are not with him yet fully, but he is with us across the expanse. He begins to be with us. And so turn to him, follow him, and you will begin to experience him. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this, there is frustration in our hearts. There is frustration in our hearts at how you chose to make this world. There are questions that we have, and yet we are so grateful, God that you who created the separation and even when we made it worse, you've reached across. You have come across. You have run across. You've taken our sin and our shame. And we thank you for that. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for being the God who comes running toward us, who comes searching for us. And we open our hearts to you now. We want to give more of who we are to you. Lead us to confess the things that we do that separate us, that add to the separation. And lead us to the cross. We can find your presence, your love. And Jesus, for those who are here and they don't know you yet, would you touch their lives? If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin and I give you my life. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, its depth and the richness that it brings to us, the perspective and the mind shaping that it does for us. We do long for heaven and earth to be one. We thank you that 
we can work with you to bring that about. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.